Hey, welcome to another edition of Canada Bears Sportcast. It's Bryn Griffiths and Paul Almeida. How are you doing today? Looking forward to today, especially. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this because it's an opportunity to obviously talk about the big trip coming up. But more importantly, we get a chance to talk to a, a friend of ours who is... Who has been around the Junior Wars for quite some time and is happy to talk to us. And Corey Graham will be joining us. Yeah, and giving us a different perspective maybe than some of our other guests. He travels the buses with these guys and he's with them every day. So he understands the stresses of trying to make a World Junior team, of making a World Junior team and how it affects you when you come back. Okay, let's talk about how things are going with the tour first and foremost. We are excited because we're heading over to the Czech Republic just before Christmas, some people are coming a little bit after, but we're going to be at the World Junior Hockey Championship, and it's going to be fun cheering on Canada. Oh, we're going to have 300-plus people with us, and uh, right now we're down to our very final spots on uh, some of the packages, most of the packages, actually. So uh, it's getting to crunch time in terms of people, if they're interested, still in joining us in Europe, but it's going to be a great time. We have a lot of things planned. We're ready planning a lot of the individual tours and adding them to the itineraries. So we expect to have itineraries out very soon as well. Let's talk about how people can get a hold of us and then we can get into some specifics. But first and foremost, there's a way to track us down on the net. Yeah, the website for the tour is azorcan.net, A-Z-O-R-C-A-N.net. Or you can call us at 780-906-7110. We've been kind of having a little bit of fun with this, but we have people joining us from all across Canada except for one little location. Don't tell me. Yesterday, a guy phoned me from PEI. (laughs) (laughs) It's the one place. Believe it or not, a guy phoned me and he goes, Paul, I'm just in PEI closing down our summer house and I'll be back in (laughs) Toronto. And so I did tell him, I go, you know what? PEI is the only place we don't have somebody coming on the tour with. And he laughed. He loved it. Yeah, no, we love everybody out there, by the way. And if I didn't say that, our good friend at Sportsnet, Ken Reed, would be be cracking back on us. That's right. But nonetheless, we are taking people from all over. Anybody from the U.S.? Yes, we have uh, one uh, lady who has come with us on every tour. Really? She is from Detroit. Okay. And uh, so she has Which is almost Canada. Almost Canada, but she's an American fan. Oh, yes, she is. But she loves to travel with the people we have. She's come on the tour a couple of times. She's made friends with some of the people that we have on the tour and uh, she just loves the experience and loves being there. And yes, uh, her name is Stephanie Boos, and she is coming from Detroit. So here's a question, and you're bringing people in from all over. How does Stephanie get to join us? Does she fly out of Detroit yeah, or Windsor? She's, she's flying out of Detroit, and she'll just meet us in Prague. You know, She'll <laughs> arrive at the airport, and we'll be there waiting for her. Nice. <laughs> the, the one thing that we have to tell everybody is tickets for games are Almost is it well, almost all, impossible now? Yeah, the metal games and I believe the Canada games are Gone? sold out. Yeah. Okay. So we have tickets for those. Yeah, we have tickets uh, for anybody that wants to come. So, but again, like I said, the, the number of spots that we have available are getting very limited now. So. Uh, as soon as those tickets are gone, then that's pretty much it. That's everything. And we're booking flights. Yes, uh, flights this week and next week. And uh, I we, can tell by your eyes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a big crazy process. Time. It's a big process, but we're getting there and uh, getting everybody there and the dates that we need and the times that we need for them to arrive to make sure that we can schedule all the pickups and all the drop-offs at the end to go home. So uh, it's a big process, but we're getting there, and uh, everybody will be taken care of. I, I noticed I had to hand you a paper bag because I thought you were hyperventilating when you came in. Actually, I'm kidding, because this is how many years for you? 26 years doing tours to Europe. Yeah, so you're no stranger to this. No, no, we do this all the time, and 
the Czech Republic for us is our second home. We've been doing tours to the Czech Republic for all 26 years. And right now I'm in the Czech Republic probably three to four weeks a year, just me. So okay. that is our specialty. We have very good people there, very good staff, very good guides. So uh, all the people that are coming on our tour will be well taken care of, and they're going to places that we have been many times before. Let's break this down for people. Uh, one, we're going to be doing a live uh, streaming uh, and audio podcast and video podcast from our hospitality suite at the That's hotel, right. which we're really looking forward to. It's a first time thing for us. Yeah. So we're gonna. Uh, I'm the one who's going to be more nervous. Technology. I'm more nervous than you are, but yeah. I still think from all the feedback we're getting from people is that this is a, is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, we're getting tons of feedback from people that are listening to our podcast that are really enjoying them and enjoying all the information. And then we have people that are really looking forward to hearing us from the World Juniors daily uh, after games as well. Do you need a sip of that coffee? Sounds like you're losing I your know, voice. I know, it's uh, my I can't voice. have you losing your voice. We've got Corey Graham coming up in a couple of minutes. Uh, the other thing, too, is that the games aren't every day. No. So we have some what we call off days, yep. and we've got stuff planned. Off days, we got a trip to Vienna, a day trip to Vienna. We have uh, another day where we're going to a cave system and then doing a wine tour. So we're busy. And every day during the tour, uh, when Canada does play, we have tours in the morning. So there are activities almost every single day. And then, of course, on New Year's Day, we have our big New Year's gala where we have entertainment in the afternoon. Then in the evening, a live band, two buffets, because I know you're going to be hungry. And <laughs> look at me. Oh, yeah, we got to keep your weight up. You can't come back <laughs> losing weight. And then, and then we also have, you know, some uh, uh, surprises at the New Year's party and uh, DJ there as well to play some music while we're hitting the buffet. Somebody asked me now, okay, let's use Vienna as an example. Yeah. We get people to Vienna. Do they have a little bit of time to do their own thing or Absolutely. are they with the group constantly? No, we will. When we go to a place like Vienna on the day trip, uh, we'll get into Vienna. We'll meet a local guide okay, who will do a bus and walking tour for us of Vienna. And then after that, you'll get three, four hours in the afternoon at your leisure to go for lunch, to walk around, maybe to go back to see something you want to see in the downtown core. And then we have a pickup time where we'll meet and head back to the World Juniors. This is going to sound bizarre. And when you look at me, you probably don't know that I do love classical music. So I have one thing on my agenda okay. in Vienna, and that is to go to the uh, the gravestone of Mozart. Okay. And I, I've already done my homework, and now that i got a couple hours, you're telling me i got a couple hours I can kind of just scoot away from. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, you're also going to like Salzburg because that's his hometown. Yes, it is. Uh, but in Vienna, yes, you will have time to go around and see. You can see even some of the buildings where Mozart used to live and Beethoven used to live. The, they're all marked in Austria as National Historic uh, Buildings. Uh, so there will be time to do all that. But Vienna has so much there. There's great museums. Um, the City Hall is fantastic. The St. Stephen's Cathedral, you have to go in and, and see. And just that downtown core, the the Viennese coffee houses are some of the most famous things uh, that you can go visit. These are coffee houses that were visited by Mozart and other uh, writers and Sigmund Freud and many, many, many famous people. You'll be sitting in the same place that they were hundreds of years ago, which is really cool as well. Great, great city. They were composers and now they're decomposers. Wow. Sorry, I just it gave me an opportunity wow. to try a new button out. <laughs> anyway, so 
Anyway, looking very much forward to it. I think it's going to be a blast. So all you have to do is get a hold of us at azorcan.net. And once again, what is that number, Paul? 780-906-7110. We've talked to some fascinating people so far. Coming up in a couple of moments, we're going to chat with Corey Graham, who's a longtime voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings. has had some uh, health challenges over the last couple of years, which has kind of kept him out of the booth. But, but he's pumped up. He's ready to go. And he continues to follow the game very closely. And uh, quality broadcaster, Corey. And a quality and person. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've known him from my days at TSN 1260 as well. And always a, a you know, welcoming person with uh, time for everybody. And I really enjoyed his calls uh, with the Edmonton Oil Kings. And we're going to talk about it, but especially during the Memorial Cup run where the Oil Kings won the Memorial Cup. That was fantastic. Let's get to Corey Graham, okay? Joining us now on the program with Paul and myself is Corey Graham, longtime play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Oil Kings, did the Memorial Cup season and the championship. Hey, Corey, how are you? Pretty good, guys. How are you guys doing? Great. How many years doing the games for the Oil Kings? Uh, I ended up uh, eight right now, and I'm still kind of in holding, hoping to add some more years onto that. <laughs> now, over those eight years, you've seen a lot of junior hockey. You've seen a lot of great junior hockey and some not so great. But <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about that winning season with you, that cup-winning season. When did, I always believe that there's kind of a magical moment, and usually the play-by-play guy can see it, where you go, you know what? These guys might have enough to get there. Did you ever have that moment? It was kind of interesting because, you know, they were so good there in that window. They went in 2012, probably should have gone in 2013. And then in 2014, you kind of just wondered if if they had enough left from the guys that they graduated and enough gas in the tank. But there were just so many games that year, guys, that um, they found a way. Uh, They they even kind of joked, like when they're, Memorial Cup championship game, they go down a goal a minute in and, and Dyson Mayo turned the puck over. And he said afterwards that oh, we just like to do things the hard way. <laughs> and it just seemed like that was the story for the whole season. Like there wasn't, I can't think of a, a specific event that kind of went, this is the year because you always felt that it was, you know, winning the championship or bust really with the group they put together there. So uh, it just, there were so many times, I mean, they were down to Portland and that final series, the first two games, they were down Oh two coming back home. They were down two nothing early in game three at Rexall place before they called a timeout and got things going and, and turned that whole series around. So, um, yeah, there's not a specific moment that jumps out. There's so many times where it looked like, okay, you know what? They're just not going to have enough left and, and they found a way. Well, no team wins a championship without perseverance. And that team, like you said, came back a lot of times and really persevered to win, uh, games and series that really didn't look good at points. Uh, you went to the Memorial cup where, going to talk about the world juniors a little bit the memorial cups a little bit like the world juniors in that you're there you're playing in a tournament format tell us a little bit about your experience with the oil kings at the memorial cup what it's like to be at an event like that where you're in the tournament format yeah it was so much fun i mean you're there for for 10 days in, in the host city and you get to um obviously take in all the hockey but try to take in as much as you can the first uh, time i went was in shawinigan in quebec which is i mean it's small town french quebec it was uh it was definitely interesting to kind of, you know, go around to the different spots there. And, you know, the Oil Kings, their hotel was outside of town. So you kind of, you didn't really necessarily get the full impact of being right in the hub of things. But um, just, you know, being able to go to Quebec City for a couple hours and, and just watch that team be together. Uh, you know, 2012 was probably, you know, a year ahead of schedule, really, in most people's minds. So I, I think when Edmonton got there, they were kind of just 
blown away with how big everything was and how how much there was to do at, at that sort of event. And then by 2014 in London, uh, even for you know for Guy and myself, it was uh, Guy Fleming was doing color with me. It was uh, it a little bit easier. You know, you you kind of knew what to expect, and and you really got to enjoy the event. And I mean, I, I, both cities put on fantastic events when we were there. There's all kinds of things to do around the games and, you know, you're able to get out and explore the towns a little bit. And you know, I'd, I'd never been to London, Ontario. I didn't know much about it, but it was you know, a fantastic city and college town to, to really get after things uh, around the game. So it was a ton of fun. It's um, fun. It's fun. It's Corey. It's funny. You should mention this because this takes me right back to 2006 yeah. when we were working at TSN 1260 and the it was just before Game Three of the Stanley Cup Final, and I remember chatting with you and a couple of the other younger guys because I've been through the wars, and yep. I said, "You guys, you never know if you're going to get to the final again, so make sure that you not only cover it but you enjoy it." And it sounds like that's exactly what you did with those two Memorial Cup appearances. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You're there to work, obviously, but you know, it's you're not playing every day. There, there's days off. The practices at that point in the year are, are pretty. Um, they're pretty short, so you got to enjoy the, your time there. I mean, how often do you get a chance to go to a, a small city like that or a different town or, or I mean, overseas with the World Juniors to, you know, yeah, you're there for the hockey, but there's so much else you can do, especially when you're with a tight group. I know what you guys are going to take over um, this upcoming uh, World Junior season. You're with a tight group, so it's almost like they become a road family. You know, you, you're able to go do things and, and learn about other people, learn about other places, and yeah, the hockey's great. I mean, that's what you're there for. But everything else around it just makes it, it it's so much better. I agree. I was at my first Memorial Cup actually this year, Corey, in Halifax. Mm-hmm. And I booked a hotel room not knowing who was going to stay there. And I get there, and it's all Rayun Naranda. The fans, the team, the staff. And I see these guys every day. I'm talking with a, you know, one old guy was uh, sitting in the lobby with me, talking to me for three hours about the town and what it means to them and what it means to their fans and how many of them drove down and everything else. And then just the atmosphere in that hotel, having those guys there and then going to the games and seeing how excited they get at the games that their town is winning and has an opportunity to win a Memorial Cup. To me, that was uh, just a fantastic experience and I'm sure it was the same for you with Oil King fans there and having parents and family so in a lot of ways it's a very similar to the World Juniors except in the World Juniors we're looking at it from a, a country perspective where we're there to support Canada not a, a city like Edmonton or Rayunaranda. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I've, I've never been overseas to World Junior, but I remember talking with uh, Guy Flaming a lot about it when he went over with you guys and just, you know, yeah, you're there to support Canada, but you get to, you know, interact with so many other fans from hockey nations that, yeah, you see them on TV and, you, you know, you kind of have an idea, but until you get to meet the fans and, you know, kind of sit down with people and break bread and, you know, go for drinks or dinner or whatever, and just kind of get a sense of, of what hockey is outside of Canada as well. And, you know, you're there, you're cheering your head off at the game and you're excited, but um, just, yeah, everything around it, it's, it's so cool. It's so cool to get a chance to meet other fans from other spots. One of the negatives of doing play-by-play at the Western Hockey League level is that you don't get a chance to go to the World Juniors. You get a chance to watch it, but I guess the positive is you get a chance to talk to players who've been there, done that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, when it was here in Edmonton, I was pretty excited. And I kind of looked at the thing and was like, well, wait a sec. If they're playing at Rexall Place, where are the Oil Kings going to be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, extended road trip. So, yeah, you don't get a chance to see it. But, you, yeah, I mean, the lead up to it, kind of right from that summer showcase on with players that are in the mix or, or um, just countrymen, really. I, I look at the Oil Kings and the amount of 
trash talk on the bus between the American players and the Canadian players and the European players supporting their nation. And um, it's, it's exciting. You know, everybody gets so excited for the whole thing and you try to, you know, obviously when you're on the road, you try to get together with the group and watch as much as you can, but uh, yeah, you don't get a chance to see as, as much as you want when you're, when you're focused on the junior team that time of year, but just to, to get a chance to interact with the guys that, you know, have had a chance or, or guys that, you know, like I look at a guy like Tristan Jari, who, you know, by all accounts, I think probably should have made the world junior team in his, his uh, go around and, and didn't, he came back to the Oak Kings and was a, like a house on fire. He was unbelievable through December and January kind of showing, I think he was a little bit, you know, upset that he didn't get invited. So uh, yeah, it's just kind of the whole, the whole atmosphere around it from the middle of summer, right up to the end of the event in January, even when guys come back and um, you know, you get a sense of, of what the event was like. It's just, it's an exciting time of year. And with you being on the bus with these guys and traveling with them and seeing them every day, I'm sure you get to experience firsthand just how stressful it is for some of these guys who go to those summer evaluation camps for Canada, the United States, or another team, and then they got to wait and hope that they have a good start to the season and they're playing well and that the scouts are there from those national teams when they are playing well. And maybe they look up in the stands and they see you know, the head scout for Canada, and they're like, oh, oh, I better play well tonight, or otherwise, you know, I might not get an opportunity to be invited to the final camp. Uh, what is your experience with some of those guys and how they treated that very stressful time it must have been for them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think each guy is different, obviously, Paul. I think, you know, you talk to some guys that they, they I, I honestly get the sense they just don't really think about it too much. But then there's other guys where they'll say all the right things about, you know, it's, it's a process and hopefully I can make it. I'm trying my best, but you can tell inside they're, they're torn up about this is something they've grown up wanting to be part of. And um, you know, something they've watched for their families every year at Christmas too. So to have a chance to, to a, get invited and then B make the team is, it, it looms hard on a lot of guys. And if you get off to a slow start and you're on that list of, of guys that are expected to be invited to the summer camp, it, it's something that the different players deal with at different times. And, you know, yeah, I remember talking to different guys and uh, I mean, Henrik Samuelson's guy that jumps out to me is he was trying to make the American team um, and being a CHLer and, you know, with his sort of uh, dual nations as well with, with Sweden and his dad, it was, I think what, an outside chance for him at the time, because it wasn't necessarily, I don't think USA hockey and CHL, always got along with, with inviting players that didn't go to college. So it was tough for him. And I, he really tried to make that team. He was, he was really excited to have the opportunity. And then when he, he didn't get it, he could tell he was, he was upset and it, you know, it hurt some guys that way. Corey, one of the things and I'm going way back here because and I'll use Theron Fleury as an example for me. Okay. So I'm doing play by play in the Western league with the Moose Jaw Warriors back in the day. And Theo Fleury and Mike Keene, for example, represented Canada in Piastani. And of course we all know what happened there. But then the following yep. year, Theron goes with a monstrous Canadian team to Moscow and they win the gold medal because they used the fire that had been developed earlier in Piastani to, uh, to, to push them to the gold medal. But one of the favorite parts for me was that opportunity to sit on the bus and talk to guys about their experiences and how, how much it had changed them, not only as a player, but more importantly as a person – and I'm sure you've gone through a little bit of that by talking to some guys. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, everybody at their junior level, those top players are the stars. And they're obviously, I think, treated a little bit different around the league. And, you know, they they play a, a ton. And then they go off to play for their nation, especially Canada, who we all know could field two or three teams, it seems like. And they have to accept a different role. And I think um, for some of those players that have only kind of known to be offensive guys, 
they go there and it really helps them. It helps them turn into better pros. If they have to play in the third line or they have to penalty kill for the first time in a while. And uh, you get the sense of what that means to be uh, for guys that are always been the stars to kind of get together with another group of stars at that level where, I mean, the whole country is watching. There's so much pressure on these kids nowadays, but you know, that's what they want. That's where they want to be. And I think you kind of, they learn from each other. You know, they learn from other leaders on other teams and they bring that back to their, their team. And you can tell, I think, especially with Europeans, it seems like when they come back after the World Juniors, maybe their first year over in North America, they're different people and they're different players. They're more – that little bit of home cooking maybe with the rest of their countrymen changes things for them, and they just seem to come out of their shell a little bit more, and their game seems to round out a little bit more. So it's it's, it's fun to watch guys that, that go over and then come back and, and see what they've learned and what they can implement. Of all the guys that have gone to the World Juniors over the years from the Oil Kings that you knew – is there one performance that you remember that stands out to you that, hey, that guy went there and he just killed it? Yeah, I think, you know, you look at a guy like Curtis Lazar who went twice and that second time as a captain. And um, I, I think you kind of look at what he did with that team and, and really sort of getting the recognition. Now, at the time he went the second time, he was still with Ottawa and the whole question about whether he's going to come back after the world juniors. Cause he was young. He was 19 at the time. So, um, you know, he, he, I, he's look at, I think what that gave him a little bit more, um, motivation, a little bit more confidence coming back to the senators. And, you know, unfortunately for the little Kings, they didn't see him that year. And it was kind of the, the end of their run in 2015. But, um, you know, you look at, uh, again, kind of anybody like Griffin Reinhardt goes there. He kind of plays more of a shutdown role. Mark Pesic goes there and, and, you know, in Edmonton, he was, he was the franchise first for everything, really the first draft pick and, uh, the, you know, the first everything. Um, and he comes back from that, the tournament in Edmonton and Calgary when the old Kings were on the road and comes back with a bronze medal for, for Canada, a huge smile on his face. And, you know, he wasn't a huge part of that team necessarily a guy that you, you looked at to be an offensive leader, but the things he did defensively, I, I think really kind of stood out watching his game sort of take a next step from there. The weird part of this event, though, is it does not guarantee success at the National Hockey League level. We've watched many guys have great events and then come back and things just flatten out and you can't figure out exactly what's happened. It's got to be frustrating when you see guys that you know are great guys off the ice and on the ice you know what they can do. And then for some reason, whether you're not in the right place at the right time, but it just doesn't seem to work. Yeah, and that's weird. I mean, Lazar's a perfect example of that. When he was in Edmonton uh, with the Oil Kings, he was, you know, he did everything. He was the the quintessential team guy. He scored forty one goals one year as well. Like he was, you, know, you looked at all the skill players they had, and and you know, certain guys. You look at um, like a Michael Saint Croix, for example, was a offensive dynamo in the WHL, but never really had that that full game. And Lazar seemed to have everything, and he thought, you know what, he's going to go and goes to Ottawa, makes it as a nineteen year old, and you know, his NHL career is getting started. No, now he's with his third organization in Buffalo. And gosh, I, you know, if he ends up in the, the show or in the American League this year, it's just he's a guy that kind of perplexes me of, of where did that game necessarily go? And I, it just shows the massive jump, I guess, from junior hockey to, to the NHL, but alone the American League. So, but uh, yeah, and especially you look at Canadian goaltenders too over the years, like some guy will come on the stage and just light up Team Canada. And then maybe be a backup in the NHL for a while, then all of a sudden you never heard of him again. And it's just, it just you know, lightning in a bottle for those those ten days. And obviously, a good junior career to start that off, but it doesn't always translate to success at the, the highest levels. 
It just shows what a big jump it is from junior hockey to the world junior level to the NHL oh, level, yeah. to the even the American Hockey League level to the NHL level. And the one guy for me that really, really uh, surprised me that his game did not translate to the NHL is Griffin Reinhardt. I, you know, we are all very familiar with the orders trading for him and the Islanders drafting him uh, extremely high, I believe fourth overall. Uh, that's one guy that for me, you know, watching him as an oil king, I thought for sure at least a sixth, seventh defenseman on an NHL team. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Me too. I, I thought, you know, obviously with the pedigree and his bloodline and all that stuff, I thought for sure he'd be a guy that, you know, maybe skating would always be a bit of an issue for him, but I thought he had enough of everything else that would um, overcome that to, to be an everyday NHLer, and he just hasn't found that. You know, you look at his time in junior, he just he physically dominated and just shut down some of the best players on opposing teams. Like I think of that Memorial Cup and the job he did against Anthony Mantha um, just just completely took him out of the hockey game and, and all those series against Portland. And now, granted, some of those winter hawks haven't necessarily taken the, the next step to be offensive dynamos either. But he really, basically every shift had to deal with with two or three you know, offensive guys. And that was his, his life in the WHL. And he, he handled it well. He seemed to win every battle, you know, get the puck out, make sublime little plays. And, you know, for whatever reason, and I've, I've talked with different scouts about his game over the years, and, and maybe he needs to be a little bit more assertive, but, you know, we're going on to a few years now in the national hockey league and, or either pro hockey. And he's been, uh, he's been kind of stuck in the minors, you know, played a few games with the Oilers and obviously a bit with the Islanders and, Hasn't really had a sniff with Vegas since he's been there. So, uh, yeah, he I agree with you, Paul. He's a guy that stands out to me, too. Just, I was waiting for him to take that next step and, and sort of solidify his NHL career. Corey, we've been around a fair bit. We've watched the summer valuation camps or even the Halinka Cup, and we watch guys look really good at those camps. And then we watch them. We watch some guys fall off the radar screen, but we also see some guys really pick it up a little bit. It's got to be fun to watch guys that you know go from that summer camp to being a representative for Canada at the World Juniors and noticing how much they've jumped up. But you've also probably seen some guys go a little bit, taking a step back a little bit too, I'm guessing. Yeah, for sure. I, there's all that that hype around that summer camp now. And uh, I think, you know, obviously that builds a lot of excitement heading into training camp. And then you have the, uh, the Canada-Russia series games, you know, later in the season where – even getting named to the, to that team, I, I think, even for guys that that you know I, I don't necessarily have a shot at the World Junior team, I think of guys like Mitch Moraz and Travis Awanek that that was a huge boon for them to get into that Canada Russia series to to get some experience and, and at least be on the radar a little bit for Hockey Canada. And um, you know, I, I think it was Awanek that got hurt early in his game and, and had to miss some time afterwards. And he was you know basically identified a role that that if he were to move on, that's what he'd play as a uh, you know, physical fourth line shutdown guy. And that's what he wanted to show when he got hurt. And that really, you know, sidetracked him um, for a chance to make the world junior team, even though, again, I don't think he was a real contender, but you never know what you can kind of show in a short period that catches somebody's eye at hockey Canada or, or your, your host country that, um, you know, you do one little thing and then all of a sudden you're on the next camp and you're on the next stage of things. And uh, I think that just gives you a little bit more adrenaline and energy moving forward to, to prove it every day because, you know, everybody knows the hockey season can start to drag on a little bit. And if you have that sort of, you know, carrot at the end of the stick, you're sort of looking at the chance to go to the, the winter camp and, and make Team Canada. It's just a huge motivator. So one last one for me, Corey. Uh, 
the World Juniors has become a huge tradition in Canada over the uh, over the holidays. Uh, families watch the games. They make sure that you know they build uh, family events around the games so that everybody can watch them. What is the tradition in your family in terms of watching these games and following the World Juniors? And where is it in your you know ca- sports calendar for the year in terms of importance? Yeah, it's definitely something you look forward to. I mean, I remember growing up watching it all the time and. Uh, the first one that, that stands out to me, I was been in, in Regina with John Slaney here as of what, 1991. I'm sure you guys remember that well, uh, you know, watching that tournament. And, and for me, that was really sort of the time where I identified what, what the world juniors were and then kind of moving forward, watching it more and more and more from there, from there with my family. And, uh, you know, later years with my, my friends, we, we always make sure we had that, that, uh, the new year's day game or the new year's Eve game was teed up somewhere we go. And, you know, now as, as an adult, it's something that, you know, like I mentioned before, with the Oil Kings, you don't get to see as much as you'd want to, but you, you make plans around the games. You know, you get together with a group, whether it's family, friends, you know, coworkers, whoever it is. I think everybody tries to, to make sure they have a, some time carved out to watch the games. And you, know, you look at a group that Canada's in this year, my gosh, it's a, it's a murderer's row. I mean, those games are going to be unbelievable this year, and it's, you know, all starting on Boxing Day with the States. Corey, you've had some medical challenges the last couple of years that have sidetracked the broadcast part of it. How are you feeling? Are you, are you feeling much better? Yeah, it's coming along. It's uh, it's a slow process, man. I, I had a back surgery, gosh, last July, and you know, was laid up in the hospital for a while, and and now just trying to to, to regain my strength and um, get back up on my feet here to kind of get back in the swing of things. I'm I'm hoping to to get involved here um, in some capacity this year. You know, last year was tough not being around the rink at all. Yeah. I, you know, I, I kind of tuned out hockey, to be honest, guys. I kind of was like, you know what? I, I, it's hard for me to watch, but now this year, you know, especially with the, the oil Kings getting going here this weekend that I'm, I'm back into it. I'm starting my prep work to be ready to go and <laughs> whenever things work out. So I'm, I'm hoping to get back to the booth as soon as possible, you know, probably just at home to get things going. But uh, yeah, it, I, I definitely, after a year away from it really have uh, kind of reinvigorated my, uh, my spirit to get back into hockey. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long challenge here. It's, um, it's ongoing. It's something I'm going to have to keep, you know, working away at, but there's, there's progress coming and it's, uh, it, it feels good. Those days where you, you get a little bit, you know, a little bit more than you were the other day before. So, um, it's kind of, you know, the cliche day by day thing, but that's <laughs> sort of my life right now. Hey, listen, we're pulling for you, man. You know that. And it's great to hear you. And it's great to hear that you're uh, challenged and ready to get back into the booth, perhaps in some, in some, uh, aspect. And, uh, like I said, thanks for this today. This has been great. Loved it. And, uh, we'll check in with you again at some other time. Okay. Yeah, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's good to catch up, and it's been far too long. Up the boards, can't get it out. Sweeney, blast for There you go, Corey. That one's for you. Oh, that was a great moment. And, uh, well, it's been a lot of great moments. But well, for sure, but that's one of the top ones. And as he mentioned, it's really the moment, I think, that it propelled the World Juniors, that tournament in Saskatoon, that goal really captured the imagination of a lot of people, and TSN just ran with it after that. Absolutely. Last podcast, too, we talked with Greg Drennan, a longtime writer of the Western Hockey League, and he talked about how special that event was, and also the one in Regina. The one thing that made that particular one really special was the fact that it was bone-chillingly cold. That's right. I've told you this story before. I remember chatting with... Doug Wade, who was representing mm. the American team at that event. What a player he was. Man. Oh, yeah. And he said, he said, he said, it was a, a lot of fun, that event, but he said he, he'll never forget how, how cold it was. Then he came to Edmonton. 
Yeah, but you know what? He said it was nothing like that World Junior. It's funny. I guess maybe as a kid, you tend to see things a lot differently. Yeah. You just tended to let the cold Edmonton weather just kind of roll off of him a little bit, I guess. But Okay, well, let's uh, let's thank Corey Graham for joining us on the show today. It was great to chat with him. You're getting your voice back. I like that. Yep. That's pretty fantastic. Let's Amazing also, what a hot coffee would do. Uh, isn't it, though? I, t- I told you, sip that coffee through the show. You'll be yeah. fine. And there's something special in that coffee as well. But anyway, that's another story. (laughs) Oh, sure. Another story for another podcast. Let's tell everybody how they can get a hold of us and join us because it's time is ticking. Yes, it is. And also, we don't have a lot of spots left. No, we don't have a lot of spots left. So uh, tell your friends. And if you're interested, please go to azarcan.net, A-Z-O-R-C-A-N.net, and look at all our packages that we have. We have seven packages available uh, you can give us a call as well at 780-906-7110, but please don't delay. We are pretty much sold out pretty close. Exactly. And at the time of this taping, which was on the 18th of September, mm. it just means, well, this is your crazy week, right? It, it, every week is crazy, but I know. this is a crazy week. Yes, exactly. So we're trying to get things booked as fast as we can. Come and join us. Have some fun. I'm heading in on the 19th, and I'm. Re- I, you know what? I I had relatives from the UK join me this past summer, and I said I'm going to Prague. They love Prague. Uh, Prague is, we've said it before, one of the best cities in Europe, especially for sightseeing, for tourism. So much to see, so much to do. That central area is just. You turn around and you see something spectacular. Every single time. Don't laugh when I say this because my cousin said there's one particular bridge you'll walk over numerous times. Yeah, that's the Charles Bridge. I know it very well. I've walked yep. over it numerous, numerous times. times. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is you know, spectacular views from there. And it's been used in so many commercials, so many movies. I'm sure once people get on it, they will remember seeing it some somewhere vividly in their mind. But uh, that whole area from the Prague Castle going down across the bridge to the old town I've mentioned before that two-kilometer, three-kilometer stretch, one of the most beautiful in Europe. And we're going to be spending, a lot of us anyway, Christmas Day there, looking very much forward to that, the market everybody talks about. Yeah, Christmas markets close on the 24th, so those that are going earlier with us on the 19th or the uh, 22nd will get an opportunity to go downtown, experience those Christmas markets, walk around, get yourself a, a glass of the mulled wine, and uh, maybe some snacks. They have uh, a lot of great food there as well. And then some Christmas trinkets and souvenirs. Just an, an unbelievable atmosphere that you'll remember for the rest of your life. And then on Boxing Day, we make our move to our, our, our I guess, our base camp. That's right. To Olomotes, to our hotels there. And uh, Okay, so how do we say that again? Olomotes. Moats? Moats. Okay. Olomotes, which spelled like Olomoke. Yeah, which Olomouk, is how I've been saying it until Olomouk. now. <laughs> yes. And then uh, from there, we'll check into the hotel, have just a quick time to drop off our bags, and then we head straight to the rink to watch two big hockey games, Russia against the Czech Republic to start the tournament. That will not be a very exciting game whatsoever. <laughs> oh, that man. crowd will not be into it. Yeah, that'll be a good one. And then uh, right after that, you know, the, the game that we all look forward to, Canada versus the United States. And that's going to be one crazy way to start that tournament, right right with a bang, right off the bat, with a lot of emotion. I can imagine already the emotion that our fans and the teams are going to have that day for that game. Uh, 
can't ask for a better starter to the tournament. Are you losing your voice again? No, I'm fine. Well, come on. You want a little more supplement in your coffee? Because I can just go to the freezer right now and get it for you. I just got to squeeze my throat a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listen. Thanks for your time today, as always. And we're back with more coming up. So make sure you subscribe. And yeah. that way you can listen to us when there's a new podcast out. You'll know immediately. So it'll be a lot of fun. And we're going to continue this right through until we depart. And then when we're over there, it's going to be doubled and tripled. Yeah, it's going to be almost every day. We're going to be doing podcasts from there. So uh, very exciting. A lot of information. We get to bring you a little bit of the atmosphere that we're going to be enjoying over there. Uh, some talk about the hockey games, of course. And then we'll talk with some of the people that are on tour with us. Azercan.net is the website. Check it out. And the phone number is 780-906-7110. That is 780-906-7110. Thanks for your time today. Fantastic show. All right. Looking forward to uh, the next one and the one after that. And thanks for joining us today. (laughs) 